Hello, everybody, and welcome back to that Milan podcast. Another episode, another week, and another victory for Milan. I'm Martino Puccio. Alongside me, Matt Santangelo. If you guys haven't subscribed to the t- channel just yet, please do so. Like, comment your thoughts on the match against Napoli and some of the predictions later on for the upcoming two fixtures that they have. But Santangelo, how are you? You got a new look going on. So let's address yeah. this first. Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, last weekend uh, did a little bit of changing around and got the golf for the first time in a couple months. Also got a obviously fresh haircut. I feel like I have like a DeRossi type, the beard. With, your like, beard, your beard. Fade. Yeah, I see what you um, mean. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's, it, it's a cool change. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll get some comments in the, from 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 you guys and you guys bring that up. So now it's it's been good. Yeah, and we appreciate all the support that we've had on audio platforms as well. We uploaded the Joshua Xerxes video um, today. So you'll have two recordings in one day. So I hope you guys enjoy it in terms of the audio listeners. But everybody on YouTube knows that uh, there's constant content coming up. And uh, look out for a post-match review of Ren. We're going to be going live, or I'll be going live. I'm not sure what Matt's situation will be. Um, and we're also going to have a Benjamin Sesco uh, video tomorrow to see uh, – uh, a little profile of him. But first, we start off with a victory for Milan for the first time in 10 years in Serie A. Milan have beaten Napoli. Uh, they did it at home. If you guys didn't listen to the preview with Gio and Dan, it was, it was a great time for them. They weren't very confident. I don't think either three of us that were on the podcast foresaw a one nothing victory. We thought there was going to be more goals in this one. Arguably, should have been. Um, so, yeah, let's start there. Milan finally get a clean sheet uh, as well. But this one was really just sort of grinding out a result um, while not conceding and kind of squandering a few chances. I thought Rafael Leal was a, a bit too unselfish on the on the one play where he should have uh, tried to attempt a goal as well. But yeah, man, I mean, you can't complain. Another three points within one of Juve, uh, despite everything that has happened. What were your overall thoughts and impressions of this? Napoli had a lot of key absences, obviously, but again, mm-hmm. results speak. The result is the only thing I'm looking at right now, especially where we're located in the table. Um, we talked about it at length in our previous few episodes where, you know, it's it was intern Juve for the Scudetto with really Inter being the favorite. And then Milan stuck in a... Um, no man's land situation in third, which listen, I'll take that when you have Juventus and Inter playing the way they've been playing. Um, and when you get the result that we did against Napoli, who, you know, in recent um, opportunities against them, we've gotten some pretty good results. I know in the Champions League last year, we were able to get by them. We had the 4-0 where Leao had two goals. But yeah. like historically, we haven't been that great against them. They've been pretty pretty difficult for us at least as far as getting like actual results we feel like we've had good matches against them i remember the one zero where we lost to them earlier um last year i think it was no it um, was a two one it was a two one loss two one, the two one yeah. game yeah simeone came off the bench simeone and scored scored like the penalty or something or late in the game in 70 something minute but this is a team that i think that you know we didn't quite know what we were going to get from us um because we've had matches where the form is good. We go into the match, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, we couldn't get the chances to fall. And this was kind of one of those matches where we did have more opportunities. We could have gotten maybe a second or a third, made this a little bit more comfortable for us. Um, but that that singular moment of class between our two best, in my eyes, 
um, players on the on the day. You can also throw Gabby into there as well, who was really yeah, good. We, we, we got one from Maddie out. Cage. Yeah, um, but the 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 assist from Rafa to Teo Hernandez um, was that was kind of textbook Rafa the way he's able to find Teo into space and Teo does a great job finishing past Golini for the decisive goal and I think that was the Milan took their moment. Uh, Napoli weren't uh, we, you know they weren't clinical enough. There were moments in this match where Napoli did get on the break, but they just for whatever reason whoever was carrying the ball whoever was looking up wasn't able to either have the confidence to make the pass or to make the pass that was decisive enough for, you know, Cavada or Simeone to get the goal they needed. Simeone actually had probably one of Napoli's best chances when Ismail Benassar gave it away. 10th or 11th minute, yeah. Yeah, very early in the game, and it was kind of uncharacteristic from Ismail. I know, you know, he's still kind of, you know, settling back in after that long injury hiatus. But um, overall, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the performance. It was, look, it was great for us to get Leal and Teo to combine. I know the people are still going to come at Rafa for not getting a goal. We know what we've been doing a little bit in the midfield has kind of been a little shaky. Has it been our best run of games with from the midfield in my eyes? No, no rinders. No, no rinders. rinders in there. He was out. But defensively, I think defensively and in goal, us having the opportunity to, you know, go with Kair and Gabia to get a clean sheet for Mike Mignon, which it feels like we haven't had many of those this year. No. We've been playing pretty good games, but one will bleed in or Mignon will give yeah. away a howler. So Great to get a one-zero result against Napoli and to really further cement ourselves, um, you know, for top three, two now. Yeah, yeah. Well, really well. Let's talk about this assist, right? Because people want to complain about Rafael Leao not scoring the goal. Well, how about this? If he doesn't create that chance and that pass for Teo Hernandez, who, by the way, Golini, I had no idea what he was doing there, and Rahmani did a terrible job as well defending. Yeah. But that's besides the point. The man created the goal. Teo did a great job. He took he took that uh, pass in stride. It was a perfect link up. Like people people don't understand when you're making a pass like that, you have to deliver it in an area in which he could take that touch to propel himself, forward, onto it, yeah. which is exactly what Teo did. And people are just like, "Wow, that was really just all Teo there." It's like, no, Rafa has a lot less space than you think, and he still threaded that needle, yeah. and he and he really just delivered the ball in a fashion in which. <clears throat> It spins in, in the direction towards goal that Teo can take that one touch and go forward and finish. Like, people don't understand the chemistry that those two have to that extent. This is why they're one of the best duos in the world, especially on the left side. Um, that was all them. They won us this game. Um, even Teo late into the game, too, his ball-carrying ability up yeah. the pitch. Like, it was, just, it was just so impressive, the tackles that he was making and and I thought the two of them did a really good job. And I just wanted to speak on those two to begin with. Um, again, oh, Rafa frustrating yeah. at times. He had one shot. It was a great save by Golini um, where he was trying to curl it into the far corner, which is just kind of really something that Rafa usually does when he's playing well is trying to finish in that far corner. I think that was really just his last goal against Verona came in the similar fashion. Um, but again, like you were mentioning and alluding to, this well, guy right well, here. But, but, but Martina, oh, okay. before we go on to it, I know Gabby is you know, a big talking point here. Um, I will say this, though. Um, there, there were some things that really stood out to me in this game on the topic of Rafa not scoring goals and the long droughts. And I'll throw this up. Um, yeah, and you guys can see the graphics. You know, um, this isn't me. This isn't a, you know, me criticizing Rafa moment here. I'm just kind of trying to be very honest with the conversation because I feel like people will tell – Martino, they'll tell me, you guys are 
always complaining. You guys are all unfair. You're never satisfied. And I'm satisfied with the way that Rafa has been playing. He's been playing great. He's creating a ton of chances. Whether we're com- converting all of them is another conversation. But there were two moments in this game or three moments in this game, aside from the assist to Teo, where I think it really started to open a little bit of eyes to me about Rafa and how he's a little bit pressing to get that goal. And he's not, it doesn't feel like he's very confident and having that sort of selfish moniker that it takes to be ruthless and clinical in the final third. There were two moments in second half where, you know, he, one of them, he wound up being off sides. They held it, but he beat his guy into space. He had the opportunity to, you know, to your point, Martino, go for that bottom corner and to like really be aggressive and to be, you know, ruthless. And he was like, kind of like hesitant. He was like, I'm just going to try to pass it off. And yeah. it wound up being off sides. We wound up not converting it. But then there was also another one too, where he did all the great work, did the, did the great run. He cut in on his right and he just wide of the corner. And I think it's one of those things where we, you're starting to see here, it kind of affect him in a little bit, at least when it comes to those moments of time in the final third, where he has that sight of goal and whether or not he feels the confidence to go for it is I think where he's really struggling right now in my eyes. Um, I think he he needs one of those goals just to get off the schneid. Like he needs a nice easy one where he's in space, he just passes it into the net. And I think that'll kind of help ease it a little bit because you see here, he's doing everything other than scoring the goal to help Milan win games and to influence. And, 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 and mind you, the best yeah. at it in the league. Like, it's yeah. there's no one that's no, like better. The, the assist, like he's gonna, he's gonna easily, he's gonna easily get double digit assists again. Yeah, right. You know right. that's yeah, been last year. The yep. chance creation's still there. There were still moments in this match where he was you know, dribbling past two to three guys. You know the classic end to end run where he's picking up the ball deep and he's running the opposite end. And you're like, healthier. this guy's unbeatable. It's just in the final third, we all have been talking about his his finishing and how he needs to improve. But I think it's more so now in the head with him when it comes to having the ball at his feet and having that that desire to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more ruthless. It's it's one of those things where we see Martino all the time in basketball, right? Where if you're not making shots, the only way you're going to break out of it and make a shot is by shooting. That's the only way shooters shoot, right? And I think that's where I think he kind of falls a little bit into that difficult spot. I think there's also another stat too where he only has like eight or nine shots on target this year. Ten shots on target. Ten shots on target. So I think there's a lot of things that are going on there. I would love to to know what the what he's trying to do, what the prep work is, what maybe Pioli's telling him in training, um, and maybe what some of the other guys are telling him. You know, maybe like Ibrahimovic is in his ear, Giroud's in his ear, and what they're trying to tr- get him to do to break out of that funk. Because I think once he starts scoring, I mean, now we're getting like a, a – Truly and he heats up. Player. He usually heats up at the end of the season, which yeah. a lot of people just don't get. Yeah. He did it last year. He did it during the Scudetto winning year. Yeah. Do you want more consistency? Sure. But when you're looking at a player who gets six million net per season across the entire planet, we're talking about the entire planet, right? Someone producing at this level, everyone's going to say it's worth it if you do a blind reveal of like who is this player against X player. Rafael Leao creates more than anyone else. Would you like him to score more goals? Sure, absolutely. I think everybody would like that. But at the same time, that's not primarily what wingers are supposed to do. 
Wingers are supposed to create, and if they can score a lot, that's a huge bonus. I think everybody gets lost into this past looking at Cristiano Ronaldo because he was this traditional left winger who was scoring at incredible rates, or they yeah. look at Kylian Mbappe, who again, by the way, is a totally different conversation. Like we're talking about two of the five best players of the past 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. Comparing everybody to them is silly. It's nonsense. And not only that, they don't also play the same position. They're more advanced forwards than mm -hmm. Rafa is, right? And they're asked to do different jobs. They they don't have to create the same way that Rafa has to create, right? It's totally different teams. Yeah. I think it's unfair for that. And same goes for Vinny Jr. And by the way, if we want to just wrap up on this to move to Gabia, who's been great, Rafael Leao is still doing this with a lot less talent relative to a lot of people that they like to compare him to. Just because he gets paid the most on the team doesn't mean it's the same as 2005 Milan. It's just not, okay? Because he doesn't have Sheva. He has 37-year-old Olivier Giroud. He has a good Christian Pulisic, but he doesn't have an all-time midfielder midfield with Gattuso, with Pirlo and Seydorf, right? The mm -hmm. responsibilities are completely different. What, what he's asked to do is completely different than what those teams were 20 years ago. So I think that's a constant comparison that people like to make. And I think that's nonsense because it's just not the same as it was 20 years ago. Okay. And it's not going to be what, as it is now in 10 years. So, so these comparisons I think are just silly and unfair and unfounded towards him. Um, but with that, like we mentioned, Gabia again, I mean, a really shaky defense uh, in general this season. I think everybody knows that they have the most goals conceded out of any team that is in a spot to make a European uh, uh, competition next season. But with that, Matt, listen, he's come back. There's a newfound confidence in his game. We talk about it weekly. Uh, just everything that he did, again, like there's there's nothing negative that you could really speak on. And I know we we've actually discussed this. He's a very underrated passer. His technical ability is really not that bad. I think it was mostly his decision-making defensively is what held him back. And that largely has to do with the inexperience. Going to get that experience at Villarreal has been paramount for him. But again, speak on Matteo Gabbia here because this was a really good performance where Kier was shaky, where Calabria wasn't doing that well on top of getting subbed out. Florenzi came on and looked good. But again, Gabbia really stepping up in key moments here because Kier doesn't look like he might be able to be healthy midweek for the Europa League match. So Gabia, speak on it, man. I mean, this is really impressive. It was a good performance. I mean, I think it's kind of been on par with what he's been, you know, putting in since he returned from that loan in January. You know, uh, he seems like he's settled in. The reintegration um, within this team has been obvious as to how seamless it's been. And... The, the the thing I find interesting about this whole conversation with Milan's defensive situation and how players have kind of been coming and going within the starting uh, setup is it feels like every four to five, six games, there's always been one player to kind of anchor that defense for, you know, moments. It was Latomori was great, and then he got injured. And then it was Teo as a makeshift center back. Wow, Teo looks pretty good. He's a ball carry and he's passing. He's a little bit more controlled with this game. He's not taking the risk going forward and, and, and running out of space too much. And now you see that you're able to slot back Teo into his normal position and he's getting goal contributions. He's getting forward like we know he likes to do. And now you're having Gabi as sort of that reliable, trustworthy presence in the central defense, at least against the, the last batch of opponents we've we've come up against. Sure. And there were moments in this match where, as I alluded to, 
Martino. Napoli players looked like they were very freely about to get in behind the defense. You know, Simon Cayer and Gabia, when you look at the starting lineup, you're like, man, these guys don't have the foot speed. They don't have the acceleration, the recovery speed to keep up if a player's in transition and he's running in behind. Gabia has done a really good job of keeping the game in front of him, you know, really taking the risks where he needs to take the risk with, as far as tackles are concerned and, you know, trying to jump out and cover the space. And, you know, he had a couple moments in this match, but also in a couple previous matches where he had to absolutely make it like a saving, a goal-saving tackle to just prevent that the chance on goal. And I think, you know, look, what it what it does tell me is – the obvious that Kyrie's his legs are not there. He can barely play one game every so often, you know. Yeah. So he looks okay, maybe next to certain guys in certain matches. If he's next to Tamori against, uh, you know, Sampdoria, maybe you can mask it and disguise him. But generally speaking, I think it's pretty evident that he's 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 past it, and you can't rely on him. So I think what the injury crisis has shown us, it's been a blessing and a curse in a way, because obviously the curse being, well, we've been giving up so many goals. It's tough to get continuity and consistency. It's tough to keep goals out. But what it's done is it's afforded the opportunity for guys like Simic to see what he's capable of, where he's at in his progression, where he at, is currently at in his career. And now you can kind of have that conversation when it comes time to assess the central defensive market come June, where you want to go. Do you have to go for more a high-end player? Yeah. Can you go with someone more in the middle of a pack? Can you go for your fifth, sixth option? If you're getting Gabia playing like this as your last option in defense, essentially, so Tamori, Kalulu, Malik Chow, maybe you have Gabia as your fourth, or you get someone in as your fourth, and I have Gabia and Simic as your fifth and sixth, that's a massive boost. We're talking about Milan potentially having two central defenders from their academy on the start in the starting rotation uh, or in the defensive rotation sure. come next year, which is huge. From a spending standpoint, from a list standpoint, when it comes time to register for UEFA competitions. So a big ups to Gabia. Um, he, he played really well in this game. The coming of age is, is really starting to show. And this isn't a player. He's young, but you can see he feels like at 24, 25, he might be getting to that real, real sweet spot of where defenders start to kind of hit their stride and get into more or less their right. better years. Whereas, you know, with the younger years, it kind of gets a little bit more difficult to project. So very, very good performance by Gabia. And I think we have to be really pleased with what he's been able to provide since he's returned. Yeah, plenty of examples. I mean, even Virgil van Dijk is just one of them. I think he's yeah. like the poster boy of, of defenders taking time to age. I even think Francesco Acerbi is another defender that you could look to. Barzagli was also yeah. another one with Juve. Um, and again... People like to talk about, and you, you referenced age real quick before we move on. It's really about minutes, right? Yeah. Like Gijo Donnarumma at 19 is far more experienced than Matteo Gabbia in his mid-20s, you know? So, like, it's a, it's a totally different situation when you come to something like that. And, and, again, I think that's why that loan deal was so good for him. And you make a great point, too. Um, I think eventually with Kier on his way out, Milan are going to look to add a left-footed center back. I don't know what it means for Pierre Kalulu's future. Um, I think Terracciano is going to be stepping up in Florenzi's absence once he moves on. Um, but you're right. And just even again, you reminded me of Simic. I thought Simic again, calm, composed, mm -hmm. just for a kid who's just and he's a physical player that. too. Like Simic is a player that you could tell is going to grow into his body. He's going to be he's a player be really that's good. like a physical type of defender where yeah, I think he has the kind of profile and background to 
be that sort of physical defender alongside a more, you know, pacey, agile, um, athletic Fikayo Tomori, who's, you know, that sort of player that likes to push up and take that that risk forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think what we've been able to see from Gabia and Simic, um, you know, in varying amounts of minutes um, is it gives me confidence that, you know, look, defensively next year, provided we're healthy, that we'll have a pretty good defensive group and we can be a little bit sharper and more consistent overall with the goals we uh, we give up because obviously that's really – as we've been highlighting in the past couple episodes, the difference between where, where we are in the table and where Inter and Juventus are. Yeah. Um, and again, just one point behind Juve, uh, those matches against Lecce, Udinese, um, even Napoli away, those are killer. And those add yeah. up. Even the game against Juve, red card for nearly 80 minutes and you only yeah. lose because of a deflected goal. Really difficult. Um, again, just shout out to Alessandro Florenzi for that. He made a great tackle because of Simone Kier's barbaric challenge on Cavada. Uh, but again, um, good job by him. Just want to highlight that real quick. Uh, Europa League preview. It is here, um, which is huge, by the way, with the result that Milan had against Napoli. Not that much of a rotation, not like Pioli could do much of it anyways, but picking up three points in a week in which you do have European play. Europa League Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, day after Valentine's Day. Um, Ren have been playing well. Uh, this is not going to be an easy matchup. I thought it was a little bit more favorable for Milan because they're a bit shaky in terms of defense, much like us. Uh, they've won their last five in all competitions. Milan have won four of the last five in all competitions. They just have the one draw. Um, again, Matt, we're going to have to see what changes are made in the starting 11 here. Simone Kier might not be able to play. And if he's not, they're saying Teo Hernandez will be starting at the la- at the center back position. So we'll see if, uh, you know, Calabria is even able to go as well. So that's, that's a big change there. Jimenez might even be somebody that gets a look or a start at the left Terracciano back. Just gets a start. Who knows? Uh, Terracciano. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do they move uh, Florenzi to left back? Terracciano starts at the right back position. Um, there's so many options here with this, but again, huge for Milan. There is an extra round um, with with a uh, with the, with the knockout competition here, um, as opposed to the Champions League. So, how are you feeling heading into this? I would love to see somebody. I'm not sure if Giroud or Jovic will start in this. There's Mons on the weekend as well, so it's kind of a quick turnaround. Curious to see how Pioli approaches this. Chukwese again as well will be evaluated when he returns tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. So when we figure out what is going on with him, then we're going to have a better idea of that. But knowing all of that, Matt, what would you like to see as a starting 11, specifically with that trio up front and, and your fullback situation? I'd like to see Jovic start. I think, you know, there was a lot of discussion, chatter on Twitter, um, you know, as the game against Napoli progressed on and everyone was saying, why wasn't your know, Drew pulled off earlier? Where's Jovic? Like at basically every minute, everyone was kind of like scratching their head. And I think that kind of gives me some inclination that perhaps maybe he was thinking, Paoli was thinking, hey, this is Drew's game. We got to see this one out with that mindset that Jovic is going to get the start midweek against Ren. That's my view of it. I don't know how true that is because we've seen instances where Giroud plays a full or near a full match. And we're like, surely Jovic has got to play this next game and Giroud starting again. And we're like, why is he running and burning out 37 year old Giroud? So 
we'll have to see how that shapes up. But I think what Jovic has given Milan over the past couple months, since you know maybe late November into you know the early parts of your mid part of, of February, is he's given them goals. He's given them a different look up front, and more importantly, he's given them the opportunity that we didn't have early on in the year, where you know Jovic wasn't playing well. So I think there was the out for Pioli to say. Well, Jovic isn't really doing it, so we have to keep running Giroud out there because we need goals, we need results. Now I think when you have Jovic playing the way he's been playing, I think Pioli should have that confidence to say, hey, you know what, Giroud, sit this one out. We'll give you the game against Monza. The league objective is very important. Jovic will give you the burn up front. So I could definitely see Jovic getting a start here and maybe Giroud coming on um, in somewhat similar fashion to what Jovic did on the weekend. I do think Rafa's got to start 100%. He will be starting. Um, I think Pulisic as well on the right. I think you still have to field a strong team against Ren because you know, Rinders will get some rest in too. Rinders will get some rest in there. Um, I think you might even see um, Musa. Uh, Musa. I, I like Adley, what he's been doing. He played well on the weekend against Napoli. I know we haven't mentioned that, but he he looked really yeah, good against Zelensky. Really yeah. um, <clears throat> and then I think you're, the way you you know, formed out the the back line, I think is pretty you know fair. Um, I think that you'll see Florenzi do some rotation, some healthy rotation, but this isn't a team that Milan can afford to be um, sleeping on. They're a team that I think yeah. will get up for this game. They know that they're playing AC Milan. You know, they're, they know their European pedigree overall. Historically, this is a match they want to win. And I know the former Bologna defender who moved over to Renz, um, Diete, I think uh, I, I probably mispronounced it. He's already, he's already commented. He's already saying. pretty much chirping and saying like, we're going in there with the expectation of winning. Like, that's a huge opportunity for them. They want to go and win. So Milan can't yeah. afford to be lax and to you know rest on the laurels. They got to play a good match to beat this team if they're really going to take Europa League seriously. I think it's yeah. going to be interesting too, and this is my final point, Martino, is we talked about in the previous two episodes, you know, how Milan have the luxury now of a really safe spot for top four is yeah. what does he only do with juggling the 11? How does he rotate? accordingly and how he ultimately prioritizes um the Europa League the Europa League mission right and I think Rafa wants to win it he was very vocal as soon as they were bad out of the Champions League so now does Pioli feel the lineup that strong if he feels a lineup that's a little bit weaker and it's like wow he really is over rotating for this game he's kind of not punting on it but he's not really saying "Ah, I'm I'm not too pressed about it so I'm not going to go in there with my best lineup that's going to be telling. I think Pioli's going to field a good lineup. I don't think he's going to field the lineup that's his full lineup. I don't think he's going to do anything that's going to risk what we're trying to achieve in Serie A. But I, I think that regardless, Milan have to come out with a good performance. And I think they will. I'm not saying they're going to get a great result. I'm not saying they're going to get a clean victory. But I think they'll play pretty well, more or less in line with what they have been doing. And um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see us you know, return to Europe, uh, European play and, and, and put forth a good performance. Yeah, I think I think they have a good chance to put it in here. Um, and again, what you were saying too, like this is at home, so you have to really jump out and do a good job um, and winning here. There's Monzo over the weekend, and then you go quickly back to the second leg of this. So we'll know what Milan's fate is in yeah. 10 days as of uh, the recording of this podcast. So again, with that, Monza's over on the weekend. Uh, Chao is likely back. He's been training with the group. Um it's looking and sounding likely that he'll get his opportunity there, whether he's off the bench or not. Truthfully, I think this is a match where you don't fully over-rotate, but there's that opportunity that they might do that, where you honestly see Noah Okafor get a start, who I would love to see get an opportunity mm-hmm. like that. I think 
Again, almost every single time this guy plays, he does a great job. Monza are very shaky at times. I know people love to praise Paladino, but I've seen so much of them. They really have issues struggling and creating offensively, uh, scoring goals. Uh, so for me, I think this would be a big one. Maybe Giancarlo Simic gets a start in here or gets significant minutes. I believe he scored against Monza uh, in his debut, but I could be wrong. Um, but with that, I just think there's so much yeah. potential to to play younger guys within these situations. Um, and again, you're not really risking as much. If we look overall to uh, to Serie A and what types of matches we have to, to watch uh, this season, I think, well, not this season, sorry, this coming weekend, um, there's just so much room for Milan to just not stumble uh, where you have Napoli against Genoa, Verona, Juve, Atalanta, Sassuolo. So, like, those aren't really matches in which Milan could afford to drop. Lazio-Bologna is a pretty big one. Frosinone against Roma. I mean, listen, it's a, it's a pipe dream to hope that Inter is going to slip up and that they could gain some points on them. But the, the harsh reality is that they're likely not to do so. Um, so, yeah, again, I think I think over-rotation won't be happening, but I think they should be able to handle Monza well. Um, again, this is a team that's going to be giving their all. I do see guys like Musa, Okafor. Um, I, I do think Ruben Loftus-Cheek sits within this one. I'm curious to see the rotation over the two matches for Ismail Benacer. I think Benacer is not going to start against Monza. I personally wouldn't, especially if you value that Europa League tie over everything else, right? So, like, if you you face my my ideology here is and line of thinking is that if you're going in to face Monza and you have that sandwich in between the two matches against Ren, like what do you value more, the Europa League matches or that match against Monza? It's not to say Milan can afford to drop points against Monza, but if you were okay with them benching and not starting a Benacer and a Loftus-Cheek together on top of Leao, you would be mm -hmm. okay with the Monza match. you rather those guys start and get heavier minutes in the ties in the Europa League because that's more valuable for the club at this point, as opposed to, you know, a mid-table club in Monza, where you have this cushion of 10 to 13 points from fourth place. And that's not even to mention, by the way, if Italian clubs do well, there's going to be five Champions League spots. Um, so again, Milan are really in this soft cushion. And, and on top of it, we're talking about one point behind second place, which is huge. Uh, so with that, again... Um, over rotation, who do you really want to see start in this? Do you do you agree with the Okafor one? Um, I, I don't even know if Giroud will start in it as well. I think Giroud is going to start in Europa League, and then they put Jovic in for this one. But that's just my opinion. I know you thought a little differently, but uh, it's, what do you um, want and like to see? Um, I would love to see Okafor. I think you know, look, he's had moments where he's you know four goals this year, um, or three goals this year. I don't have the number, but it's been tough because I think that when he has played, he's shown. You know what he's capable of it's just the injuries and he's even spoken on it you know how that's yeah. kind of you know uh, hindered what he's been able to accomplish in his first year but he's had his very good moments for us right Four goals um, in league. i think that you know look i would like to see okafor i am almost sort of tending to lean in the direction that you you think we're headed in where jeru is gonna get trotted out there again against ren and in the europa league and then jovic is going to get that opportunity to start against monza the lineup that we had actually last time against uh, Monza was a 3-4-3. I'm just reading this here. And again, because we've been recycling formations and players and yeah. playing in obscure roles, 
we started that game against Monza with a back three of Tomori, Kair, and Povega. Povega started in a back three in that game in that first time, and back in December against Monza. He got hurt. I think this is when him and Tomori got hurt. And he got hurt, and Simic came on. Rafa assisted right. Simic, and Simic had a great finish into the box. Um, and then in the game, also, Reinders had that great goal where he had that great solo run. So we won that game 3-0. It was a very and comfy win. Yeah. It was a very comfy win. But I want to say this, though. I'm just looking at the full expanded stats here. The expected goals was 2.03 to 1.58. 17 shots for us, 21 for them. Nine shots on target and four shots on target for them. So I think there is that brief scare with this team, this Milan Cold team. Bonnie, that, man. For as good as they can be at times offensively and going forward, they're still susceptible to having those lapses in defense where they let teams lurk and hang around. And if you're giving a team like Monza on at home where, you know, they're, again, they're going to want to show up for this game, you know, the Galliani, the Berlusconi connection to Milan, you all know that, right? This is a way too. This is a way they're looking at this and thinking, if we can get to a certain part of this game where let's say the 65th minute and it's, 1-1, one, one. now it's a little bit more of a challenge to break down a team that's willing to sit in and looking to just see if they can just take a one point off you. So I think it's imperative Milan get out to an early start here. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned, I, w- I would like them to have some rotation up front. I would like to see Anokafor and Jovic get a start here. I think one of them will, probably going to be Jovic. I just don't think that Pioli is ready to go and give Okafor starts. I think he's had maybe a two this year, three this year, that I can actually think of. I could even be over-exaggerating there. Because he's been injured, he's been Jovic, it's been Giroud, and then Jokovor coming off the bench and making the impact late in games. But regardless, I feel pretty good about the this these next crop of matches for Milan. I think we'll take care of business against Monza. I'm not saying it's going to be a clean performance. I would like it to be a little bit cleaner in the offensive side um, this time around because I think we need to get back to being a team that's a little bit more clinical up front. I know we put three past them the first time, but I think we still wasted plenty in that game. Mm-hmm. I want us. I would love to see us have a lopsided four-zero win, four-one win, and we have. I feel like we haven't had one of those in a while, where it's a clean game, top to bottom. Defensively, we're strong. Midfield, we're commanding, and offensively, you know, we're we're getting goals. And I'm gonna go as far as say, is Milan will win this game, and I'm okay. actually going to say Rafa gets a goal. Okay, so Rafa gets a goal, I guess, off the bench at that point, um, from what we would anticipate. But yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a 2-0 type of win. Um, I could see us leaking a goal in. Uh, Colpani has got a fantastic left foot. Yeah. Who knows if Colombo goes and scores a goal against Milan. You never know with that. Um, yeah, just very curious to see how injuries progress and who's going to be available and are they available from the start? How many minutes are they really afforded? What happens in that tie against Ren as well? Like, Say Milan do a great job and, and they pick up a good victory. I think that um, you're more inclined to see uh, those stars play a little bit more. But if it's a tighter one, I think you're going to see less of them. And they're going to be hoping that the second unit steps up in a bigger contributing type of way. I think Chukweze will start um, because if he's not ready to go against Ren, whatever, you you, you let Pulisic take back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, um, overall, it's going to be a very exciting week. Milan well positioned to... Uh, get back into second place in Serie A and hopefully put in a good performance to advance to you to the Europa League. Uh, I think round of 16, it would be after this is a round of 32. So again, um, we appreciate all your support. Subscribe to us here on YouTube. 
Follow us on Apple and Spotify and get that subscription in there. The Twitter is at that Milan pod. You get to see all the retweets and some of the clips that we post from these episodes and other content that we do. Again, Matt's work and information is here at the bottom at Matt underscore Santangelo at AC Milan bros. We saw that fantasy article that you had over the weekend. So good to see you pushing the content there. And then again, for ourselves, at Martino Puccio. Again, appreciate all the feedback on the thumbnails. Uh, we are going to be rocking with stuff like that. We won't really be doing the traditional ones that we had. So if you can got if you guys again enjoyed the thumbnail that you saw today, please let us know in the comments. Um, and also the statistical graphic with Rafael Leal. Uh, any other final thoughts, Matt, that I might have missed out on uh, before we head out here? No, that is it. Just want to echo the same sentiments. Thank you guys for the support and you know, if there's anything you'd like to see us add to our uh, our rotation, I know you guys really enjoyed the Joshua Xerxes focus video. Um, we have a lot more of those coming your way. So um, make sure, again, you're, as Martino mentioned, subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter, all that good Almost stuff. Almost at 4K. Eat. We're 30 away. Almost, yeah. 30 yeah, subs. Get the subscribes up. We really do appreciate all the support. And um, all the comments, we do read them. We see them. Me and Martino have our own little conversation going. And um, we're sharing these comments. So we do read them and we do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate them. Yeah, uh, football drawn. Um, Zion's always there. Um, and then everyone else is always usually in chat. And even if you don't comment, your support is appreciated. Again, so many of you listen to the full episodes audio wise. And it's just, it's really making us happy because Matt and I have been doing this. Jesus Christ, it's going on for more than half a decade now, about seven years. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's been a bit. Uh, again, get those audios up uh and share them to other milanisti that you may know and if they're looking to listen in on a podcast again so many good channels to listen listen to milan coast to coast with gio and fabio uh milan weekly podcast uh football kush who is just our, our friend kush who primarily does uh, milan videos um old hard rosonero is a great friend um you have sempremilan.com ali and tour group came out with a great video and podcast today already listened to it so you guys should go and check that out as well and um, yeah, of course, uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, take care.